After a long, hot summer here in sunny Southern California, I'm ready to cool down and cozy up. Maybe your summertime efforts to get out and enjoy were jam-packed with summer breakers and vacationers, making for longer wait times for services, packed theme parks, and limited reservations at national parks. Maybe your summer vacation has you dreaming of planning your next one. Well, as the weather cools down, travel to Alaska is heating up. Welcome to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herendine, and today we are headed to Alaska. Whether we go by land, air, or sea, we are joined for a second time by Fran Golden. Fran is an award-winning journalist whose work has appeared in Travel and Leisure, Afar, Condé Nast Traveler, and Bloomberg. Fran, a lover of Alaska, co-authored with Midgey Moore the book, 100 Things to Do in Alaska Before You Die. Fran, thank you for joining us again. It's great to have you back. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Now, I'd love to hear more about your book. How did you go about researching for 100 Things to Do in Alaska Before You Die? Well, I've been going to Alaska since the mid-1990s, so I had a lot of personal experiences in Alaska. Um, and then I hooked up with Midgey, who runs food tours in Juneau for an even more hyper-local perspective. And we just had a blast. We, we did a lot of Googling and talking to friends. And really, we could have written 200 things to do in Alaska before you die, but decided <laughs> to settle on 100. It sounds like your love of Alaska is what drove you to write the book. Now, what is it about Alaska that made such an impact on you and your co-author? I know people normally write about things they know and they're passionate about. Could you recall that time you knew you'd fallen in love? I think it was the first time I went to Alaska and I just saw this amazing wilderness mm. and this amazing frontier spirit and history. And it just really captured a piece of my heart. I mean, Alaska is like no other place that you can go to. Um, it's, it's, it just, every time I go, I have a different experience, which I love. And I find something new and surprising. And, you know, from animal encounters to, to talking with fishermen, it's just an unbelievable place. Yeah, describe that majestic beauty for us. What's it look like? Well, you know, you've probably been to a national park or mm -hmm. several, um, but most of Alaska feels like a national park. I mean, you just, you get there and you get why people call it the last frontier. And a cool thing is so much of the state is protect, protected. So you have more national park land than you have in any other state. And you have all these protected nature and wildlife areas. And then you have glaciers and snow-capped peaks and rivers and streams and rainforest. People don't realize that a lot of Alaska, especially in the southeast, is, is rainforest. Um, so you have all these things coming together. Did you know there are even sand dunes in Alaska? Okay, I didn't know about rainforests, and I didn't know about sand dunes. What am I looking at here? Is it sand dunes like I would see somewhere else? I'm just not picturing it. Yeah, like in the Sahara. If you go north of the Arctic Circle to Kobuk National Park, you will see sand dunes, towering sand dunes, where you really expect somebody to ride by on a camel. 
but you're wow. more likely to, to maybe spot a bear. Wow. And then these rainforests. Well, it's just all the, the Tongass um, National Park is, 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 rain, is temperate rainforest. I mean, beautiful, lush surroundings. It's just amazing. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, so many different things to see. And like you said, some surprises. Now, I know you've met and connected with a lot of the locals um, during your travels there. Could you tell us about some of those interactions? Any other surprises? Well, I think it is a quintessential Alaska experience to go to a locally owned restaurant or a bar, that being my favorite, and, <laughs> and sit next to an Alaskan and ask them if they've ever seen a bear. And they will have some really fabulous bear story to tell you. And if you're in a, a town such as Petersburg or Ketchikan, where there are a lot of fishermen, ask a, ask a fisherman about their experiences. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest fish they ever caught? I mean, you know, some of these will be tall tales, but it's amazing. I mean, Alaska is a place where you can still meet people who try to make their living from gold panning. Oh. It's it's, it, it, it takes a certain personality to live in a place that is, is nice in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. And chances are in any encounter you'll have with somebody who lives in Alaska, there will be fascinating stories of survival. Let's talk about that freezing cold. You know, uh, we're right here. Fall is right around the corner. Um, what kind of weather would somebody expect during this time of the year? Is it going to be freezing cold? Um, well, not right now. You're just sort of getting on the cusp of that. But into uh, October, November, yes, that's winter already. And you have to remember, too, that in Alaska, in the summertime, you have the midnight sun, mm -hmm. you know, which shines mm -hmm. almost all night. Uh, you might have a few hours of darkness. But as you get into later in September, October, you're starting to get into the dark season. And, you know, way up north, what, by the time you're in December, there's an awful lot of dark. Yeah, so we're talking about light and dark here, you know, warmer weather, cold weather. Let's talk a little bit about the northern lights. What can you share with us? That's one of my, you know, all-time favorite experiences is, is, is seeing the northern lights, which just looks like some kind of otherworldly pyrotechnics when you get a good show. Streaks of light across the sky in, in, in green and blue and sometimes even a, a rainbow of colors. And to get a good show, you want to go up to Fairbanks or above because that part of Alaska is on the Aurora Circle, mm -hmm. which is a so-called uh, landmark across the Arctic regions. And I was truly crazy on my quest for the Northern Lights. <laughs> I went all the way, I went all the way north to Weissman which is a town of about 11. Um, and I stood outside in minus 50 degrees uh, to, see, to see this show. And I was rewarded, it was, it was fabulous. And in between um, looking for the lights, which appear whenever they want to, usually in the middle <laughs> of the night, um, the, I was in a heated cabin with, with, you know, again, a typical Alaskan who entertained my husband and I with stories of hunting and, and fishing and all this type of thing. It was just an unforgettable experience. Wow. And in Fairbanks, wow. if you go to Fairbanks, you know, where there's a little more civilization, um, they pretty much say there that if you visit in the winter or even 
from the fall to the early spring, if you stay for three nights, chances are you will see the northern lights if you get up every night and look for them. What a great tip, especially for for somebody who, you know, maybe plans to go once in their lifetime to certainly be able to maximize that experience and and see something that is so rare and so unique that you went to a town of 11, (laughs) minus 50 degree weather. See, I'm cold in 50 degree weather. (laughs) I couldn't imagine what I might be. I might be frozen. My eyes might be frozen open. So no choice but to see them. Well, it's funny because you're, um, you, you can protect most of your body except your eyeballs, and I will admit those first when you're in minus 50. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's reminding me of the, um, what is the movie? It's Christmas Vacation when they go to, they go to get the Christmas tree, and uh, I think it was the daughter um, in this movie. She's got her eyes frozen open. So yeah, I'm just thinking how cold that is. Now, I know Alaska does have some wonderful small towns. Um, Do you have some favorites? And could you give us a few lesser known things maybe you've discovered when either researching your book or throughout your other travels? Well, one of my favorite small towns is Wrangell, which is off the beaten path, but sometimes visited by small cruise ships. And it's just, you know, it's a delightful little town. There's, there's one main street. And it also has the unusual attraction of um, some native um, um, rock art. So oh. if you go to the beach there, you can actually see at low tide um, this amazing rock art. And people really don't know the history of it. It, 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 it predates history um, that's recorded. Um, So who knows? It may be signs to, you know, people from another planet, or it may be um, marking a really great fishing ground, or it may be just directions to a small village. Um, Nobody really knows. Um, But it's also a town where, you know, people, people are very friendly. You go off in excursions. Um, to see bears. Um, there's a wonderful wildlife um, center that's not that far um, by boat or, or small plane um, that's run by the Forest Service where you can see bear, bears fishing in a stream from a safe distance. Wow. Um, you, you can learn about Alaska native culture there. It, it's really an amazing um, small town. Another one I really like is Petersburg which has a Nordic background, and it's a very active uh, fishing port. So the fishermen sitting next to you having, next to you having a beer at the bar may actually uh, be a millionaire who earned his, um, his dollars with a very successful fishing business. It's a quirky town with quirky characters. Ah, so that's Petersburg and Wrangell. All right, so two great... Um two great little towns there. Now, where else can travelers learn more about or experience Alaska's indigenous people, rich culture, or some of that um, Native American or Native Canadian artwork? Well, I'm a big fan of totem poles. And Mm -hmm. over the years, I've learned that they aren't just works of art. They're very important storytelling mechanisms. They they tell history. They poke fun of historical uh, characters. They, They tell... Um, family legends and lore and pay tribute to people who are deceased. They're just amazing 
for storytelling mechanisms. And I, I suggest that if you are interested in totem poles, you go with a native guide to really learn their stories. And at the center for this is Ketchikan, okay. um, which is a fishing village in the southeast, um, which has, I think, more totem poles than any other place in Alaska and possibly you know, one of the top places in North America as well um, to see totem poles. And there's also a wonderful totem park in Sitka, Alaska, mm -hmm. which was the first mm -hmm. Russian capital of Alaska, um, where there was a collection that originally started at a World's Fair, but migrated to Sitka. So another place where you can learn. And at the Sitka um, National Historic Park, there are also master carvers who you can watch creating poles. So that's a really interesting oh, experience. That is really cool to see the art in action, to see while they're creating. Very nice. Now, what about for those who want to get outdoors? What are the best act outdoor activities to do while you're in Alaska? Would it be hiking, you know, fishing? What's the best? Well, uh, you know, you can do hiking, fishing, mountain bike, biking, zip lining, um, go skiing in winter. You know, it, de it depends on your personal interests. Personally, my favorite is kayaking. Oh. I love um, kayaking. Um, with eagles overhead and seals or sea lions or porpoises, you know, in the water. And, you know, just, again, that majestic beauty of this place where you are. And if you have the experience um, or the opportunity, kayaking in front of a glacier, such as in Glacier Bay, is just mind-blowing. I mean, you're in your kayak, you're looking at a wall of blue ice, you may hear the glacier calving, you know, dropping off chunks into mm -hmm. the ocean. Um, you can witness this, um, and it's just an amazing experience. Yeah, it sounds like there from the water in the middle of it all would probably be the best way to experience that life, uh, wildlife or that beauty up close and personal. Now, Yeah, I mean, people, I, I will say, like, fishing is very popular, and I've done that. And there is a thrill, of course, reeling in a salmon, uh, especially mm -hmm. if you get a big one. Um, which I've done, even though I'm a very novice fisher person. So <laughs> there you go. Um, and also whale watching is, is a quintessential Central Alaska experience. Um, there are humpback whales, but there are also se several other varieties um, of whales. And you can get up close on, on wonderful whale watch tours. Yeah, very interesting. Now, what about dog sledding? Are there ways that you can, you know, see a sled dog or maybe try out uh, dog sledding? Absolutely. And I, I've done both. Um, there, uh, the Iditarod um, contestants and champions, several mm -hmm. of them have mm -hmm. facilities where they welcome visitors and you can meet the Alaskan Huskies and pet the puppies mm -hmm. and also go for a mm -hmm. ride. And the rides are actually part of the dog's training for the arduous thousand mile race that takes place every winter. Um, so if you visit, for instance, the facility near Denali National Park and Preserve, you might um, find yourself on a wheeled cart pulled by dogs as they go through their paces. If, if you're a little more adventurous and take a helicopter to a dog sled camp on a glacier, you can go for a ride um, any time of year. Wow. Pulled by a dog sled team, you bundle up under a blanket. And I've also gone dog sledding in winter, which again is, is a chilly experience, 
but you know, you typically have layers of blankets and it's just really fun. The dogs yelp and, and, and interact. And it, 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 it's really cool to see how the, um, the process of, of, of the musher and the dogs, it's really an, a, a, a memorable experience. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, only being like on a carriage ride with horses working together. I've never seen anything like that up close and personal, and it sounds really cool. Uh, Now, what are some of the advantages? I know you're talking about a lot of of things, and and I'm not really sure, you know, where these places are at. I've got to map them out. Um, But I'm thinking about cruising in Alaska. Is it better to be on a cruise? And can you experience some of these things? Um, or maybe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can. Yes. So Southeast Alaska is actually best visited by cruise ship. And, you know, whether you pick a big popular brand or a small ship. And the reason is a lot of these destinations in Southeast Alaska, including Ketchikan, including Juneau, the capital mm-hmm. of Alaska, and Skagway, where much of the gold rush history originates, um, you, you can't get there, you can't drive there. So you're either going to fly, and, and that gets mm-hmm. really complicated because mm-hmm. you might find yourself flying back to Anchorage every time you want to hop somewhere, or you can get on a boat, um, a small boat, I guess, but, you know, who's going to do that? If, you know, right. if you've got your yacht and have lots of time, I suppose you could do it. <laughs> but, you know, but, but a cruise ship is really the way to see the various towns. Uh, Juneau, you know, is the only state capital that you can't drive to. Oh, interesting. I wasn't aware of that. So you've got to get to it by boat or helicopter? Yeah, helicopter, plane, boat, one way or the other. Now, what kind of ship do you recommend for an Alaskan cruise? Small ship, big ship? It really depends on your personality and what you're looking for. Um, If you want to... do the frontier by day and have Broadway shows, Broadway style shows and lots of choices of where to eat and other activities on the ship, then you might want to go with the larger ship. Um, luxury cruises in Alaska uh, have all out pampering. You know, you can right. toast seeing right. a glacier with champagne and caviar all included in your cruise there where there. There are smaller ships that do a little more deep exploration, such as Alaskan Dream Cruises and Uncruise Adventures. Um, And there are new in the market expedition ships, some of which um, do coastlines beyond southeast Alaska. Tell us a little bit more about these uh, cruise ships. I've never heard of it. I'm sorry, the expedition ships? Yeah. Right. So if you want to, for instance, do the west coast of Alaska, you know, going all the way up to the Arctic and coming down, there are ships that are exploring those types of areas. Um, You know, going going into places that are not on the typical cruise ship track. Now, another thing I want to mention, though, is cruise ships are only going to get you, obviously, to places that are close to water. Mm-hmm. Um, but lines mm-hmm. such as Holland America Line and Princess Cruises and Royal Caribbean and Celebrity Cruises, they all they all also offer cruise tours. And it's sort of easy one shop planning to get to inland destinations such as Denali National Park and Preserve and to see Denali, the tallest mountain in North America. 
Yeah, so you said cruise tour. How does that actually work? So were you coming into the port and then there's some additional transportation or some activities planned or set up? Exactly, exactly. You you would do your cruise and then you'd get on a train or on a bus or on a plane and go to additional destinations. For instance, you could go, you could combine Denali and Fairbanks um, to get that inland experience. Or Princess Cruises has some tours that go out to Kenai and onto other areas. I mean, you can really get more of that in-depth thing. Holland America goes all the way up to the Yukon in Canada, um, which is a fabulous cruise tour. Um, If you remember your history, uh, the gold rush was really, the gold was in the Yukon and Mm -hmm. and people came Mm -hmm. into Skagway, Alaska to do the arduous trek into the Yukon to get to the gold finds and 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 you can replicate that experience on a cruise tour wow that's really cool i think for me if we were talking about personality here cruise tour might be the way to go for me now are there some ports that should just be explored maybe on your own or with a small group maybe with your book as a guide what would you suggest (laughs) (laughs) oh that's sweet of you (laughs) yeah i mean again it kind of depends on on what you're looking for um, but for instance, a shore excursion to the small town of Haynes. I mean, Haynes is, is most noteworthy, mm-hmm. and you can read about it in the book, for its uh, hammer museum, the largest collection of hammers <laughs> in the world. And, and if you want to take a long walk through Haynes, you, it, it's very low key. It's like that old TV show, Northern Exposure. Oh, yeah. Um, and you, you can maybe hit a couple gift shops. There is a wonderful distillery there. Um, if, if you need a little pick me up and you can go visit, um, the hammer museum on your own, which probably would be an even more fascinating experience if you had hit the distillery first. Yeah. I think distillery might be the way to keep warm there. Now, what if you're traveling with kids though? Is, is Alaska a good destination for families? Oh, absolutely. I mean, think back to what we were talking about with the, uh, the dogs. I mean, you know, kids love dogs so much so, by the way, that Princess Cruises brings huskies onto their ships so you can actually meet dogs on the ships, which is kind of a fun thing. But yeah, it's it's an active place. So um, I think just like you might enjoy getting in a helicopter or a float plane to fly over an ice field, for instance, your kids will too. And you know, the, the eye-popping attractions for kids abound. And, it, you know, including kind of the, you know, the man-made attractions, such as um, the, the, one of the longest zip rides um, in the world, which you'll find in Icy Strait. Oh, wow. My son would love that. He really likes a good thrill. I mean, anytime we go to a, an amusement park or anything like that, he wants the craziest ride. He wants the roller coaster. I, th- I think he'd really enjoy that. You know, I went zip lining in Mexico and really loved it. It was thrilling, even though I have a crazy fear of heights. We'll, we'll talk about that story another time. <laughs> now, um, I'm just thinking about how I'm, I'm a habitual overpacker. I don't know about you. What should you pack for an Alaskan vacation? Well, it depends on the time of year, of course, but um, let's say that you are going on a summertime cruise in Alaska. Your best bet is always going to be lots of different layers because you really don't know what you're going to get into. I mean, I've been in Juneau in summer where it's 90 degrees. Wow. Um, 
You definitely want to pack your bathing suit because if you're on a ship, there's going to be a swimming pool or a hot tub, or you may even be able to get into the ocean um, if you don't mind a little chill. Um, And, you know, you should have your hat and gloves, but more just like things that you can peel off or put on should you need to. And on cruises, you know, so if, if, if you're going to, uh, eat in the main dining room. You want to dress up a little bit. If you're on a casual cruise, uh, you know, just pack your jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, and overpack, mm-hmm. don't overpack. Now, a few things you do need are sunglasses and sunscreen, because that that glacier uh, ice that you're going to see uh, shines brightly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you definitely want that, and you definitely want bug spray. Because believe it or not, despite the sort of harsh environment, Alaska has a lot of mosquitoes. I wouldn't even think of that, but I know you're referencing, you know, rainforest and a Saharan desert somewhere out there and those sand dunes. I'm, I'm guessing there's probably some bugs. So bug spray, sun, you know, protection, eyewear, uh, sunscreen. All right. Anything else that you would say you've got to pack? Well, you got to pack your camera <laughs> and, and you probably have an extra card for your camera okay. and your iPhone and everything else that goes, you know, that is going to help you uh, take pictures because you're going to want to take a lot of pictures. I mean, half the time when I go to Alaska, I come back and I'm like, what was I actually taking a picture of? And sometimes it's just the trees, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but other times I may, I may see a bear in the distance or I may see salmon in a stream. Um, you know, and you really want to be able to capture those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of experience. I'd also bring a copy of the book, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Alaska before you got you die, because we have a lot of suggestions on, for instance, places to eat or things to eat. Like, don't miss a reindeer sausage. Yum, okay. yum, yum. Tell us about the reindeer sausage. I've never had it. <laughs> Which is it, you know, if you were to uh, compare it against another more popular meat, uh, what would you say? Hot dog. Okay. <laughs> Hot dog with bragging rights. How's that? I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the food, the food in Alaska, you have to try the king crab. I mean, it is amazing. And I do not go to Alaska without going, you know, if I'm in Juneau to... Tracy's King Crab Shack, which you may have seen on Top Chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. you know, you'll spend a fortune on crab, but it'll be the best crab you've ever had and the most giant crab legs you've ever had. Like one 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 crab leg may, you know, weigh two pounds Whoa. and, it, you know, more than wow. enough for one person. All right. Any other recommendations besides the crab? Oh, the salmon. The fresh salmon, the fresh halibut, the fresh shrimp. People don't realize there's shrimp in Alaska. Um, I mean, I'd go with the seafood, but it's also your your chance to try bison and some other things like that that you may not have eaten before available on menus. Um, there's some very good chefs in Alaska. So I wholeheartedly recommend, even if you're on a cruise ship with your food included, that you get out and try some of the local food. Yeah. And Imiji does great food tours in Juneau if you want to try several of the restaurants there, including, by the way, you'll, you'll, you'll go to restaurants with James Beard nominated or waiting chefs. Wow. For, for someone so remote, um, to have the, that type of food, that type of quality, that, um, that's amazing. Thank you. Now, 
What about traveling by train in Alaska? Who would you recommend this to, or is it a recommendation at all? Absolutely. I mean, the Alaska Railroad is 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 a great experience. It's an historic railroad. Um, you can you can go from Anchorage. By the way, a lot of people miss Anchorage. I, 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 they fly in and they don't spend any time there. I very much recommend you spend a couple days in Anchorage. It's it's a it's a city, a big city that doesn't feel like a big city with a lot of things to do in and around the city, including a hike you can do right from downtown that will get you past moose and other creatures. Um, but I, what was the original question? Sorry, I lost my train. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I was glad I, I didn't get to hear about Anchorage before in this conversation. So the question was traveling by train, and you said absolutely. It's a great yeah. way to explore. Who yeah. would you recommend this to? Is there a, a traveler uh, type? No, I mean, I think if you're an independent type, or you will, by the way, on some of the, the cruise tours we mentioned, um, travel by train. Um, but the views from the railroad are great. You can go from Anchorage past Denali up to Fairbanks. You can go from Anchorage to Denali. You can go from Anchorage to the Kenai Peninsula. Um, there's just, you know, a wonderful rail system there. And you can get off at various places and stay overnight. Um, so I recommend the railroad. The other railroad I recommend is more of a day trip, and that's the White Pass and Yukon route from Skagway. Um, the railroad was built in 1900 and it follows along the route that the crazy um, gold rush uh, people went on to get to the Yukon. So you can see what an ar arduous journey they did. And um, you go over really high trestles and through tunnels and, and building that railroad was an amazing feet. And if you're any kind of railroad fan, you'll want to take that railroad. It goes up to the Canada border and back. Wow. You're really an expert. I'm blown away. And I'm thinking about, you know, for me as a non-expert or maybe even some of our listeners, where, what's the, what do you suggest for going about planning this type of trip or planning to have these types of experiences? Well, I mean, I think that it, for anybody traveling anywhere, I recommend that you read the local tourist office websites. And Alaska Tourism has, has a really great uh, amount of information on the website. And you can even look at specific um, topics like hiking or kayaking or, you know, ways to see the state. So that's where I would start. Um, definitely look at books like mine for mm -hmm. ideas. Um, and you'll also find if you do some Googling, there's some really good Alaska blogs with, you know, written by locals that have um, a lot of information. So gather as much in information as you can. There are guidebooks also available. I, for many years, wrote the Fromer's Guide to Alaska, and the most recent edition of that is out. Um, and I think that, um, you know, research, research, research. And also ask your friends what they've done. And if you're on a cruise, really carefully look over um, the information the cruise line provides about the ports and about mm -hmm. the shore excursions. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one place where you really should plan on doing shore excursions. Uh, frankly, some of the some of the destinations you'll stop stop at will have a lot of souvenir shops and be pretty crowded. And to really understand Alaska, you need to go beyond the port cities, mm -hmm. and that's where shore mm -hmm. excursions come in. 
Yeah, that's it sounds like it's really important. Also, like you said, the research, um, you know, I'm not an expert. It sounds like do a lot of research, find out what experiences you really want to have, bring those to your travel advisor and and have them, you know, help you with planning that out because I could see myself going there maybe once and missing things like the Northern Lights or missing that traveling by train, missing that uh, kayaking or um, something that really you can't miss. So this is probably going to be my toughest question of the day. I don't know. If you had to narrow down your list of 100 to just one, what is the absolute number one thing that visitors must do if they only listen to one tip, what would that one thing be? There's so many. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I knew this was uh, going to be well, the I top one. I already covered talking. I already covered talking to Alaskans. So mm-hmm. I'll say, watching a glacier cap, and this is an experience you can't even until you've experienced it. It's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've described it many times over the years, and I still struggle with it because it's a completely visceral experience. It's you hear it, you see it, you feel it, you believe it, you're part of it. And basically what you're watching is a piece of the earth die, right? This, mm-hmm. this glacier that's, that's hundreds or thousands of years old is shedding a piece that may be as big as an apartment building wow. into the sea. And, you know, the, the, it, it was, it's known as white thunder. Oh. Um, at, from by the Clinkhead Indians, and and it's white thunder is again somewhat indescribable, but I like that term because that's what you hear, but that's also what you see. Wow, that thundering, the, the you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, a chunk of ice, but the way that you describe it, that it is a piece of the earth dying in front of you. Wow, I mean, that would be amazing to see. Thank you for that tip. Fran Golden, um, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for sharing your book with us, uh, 100 Things to Do in Alaska Before You Die. We hope to have you back on another one, I'm sure. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what your next trips are like and where you're going, where you're cruising, maybe. <laughs> Anytime. I'm off to Greenland uh, next week. So we'll see. We'll, we'll compare that to Alaska sometime. <laughs> Very exciting. I'd love to do that. And also, thank you, our listeners, for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herondine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.